0: Hey there, everybody. This is Danny Anderson, and I thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sectarian Review Podcast, uh, where we cover all sorts of uh, crazy topics. And uh, today, the crazy topic that we're going to be talking about is AI, but from a very particular perspective. So, um, this is one of those shows that come to me from um, listeners slash contributors, and uh, one of our favorite uh, guest hosts on this cla- on this show is uh, Adam Ray Adkins, who's been on the show like two or three times already. Um, Um, he's an artist who goes under the name dirt son of earth. And, uh, and also he's just a genuinely smart person who's involved in all kinds of stuff. So Adam, thanks for joining the show. Thank you, Danny. Um, so, um, let me just begin with asking you what it is that kind of brought this idea to your mind. Like, uh, this is a really great topic we've covered on this show before things like transhumanism, AI, science fiction, and that kind of thing. And I think you found a really interesting, um, approach to the question of AI in framing it in almost religious terms. And I am just curious as to what, uh, instigated this in your own mind it has something to do with child's play
1: yes it does um well okay so first i'll say that as as a young kid getting on the internet for the first time I'm, I'm 31 now um but i've been highly online since i was probably 14 or 15 and i instantly got drawn into all sorts of these weird um corners of the internet i got really into conspiracy videos and stuff like that um whether I would believe them or not, um, more often not now, especially. Um, but I just, there's something about them. I just really liked the the logics that were in there. So I've watched tons of those. Um, and then recently when watching the remake of Child's Play, uh, which I really enjoyed, um, maybe more than the original, though the original was great, um, I noticed this shift in the film. So in the original, you know, you have, the serial killer who does this black magic ritual imparts his soul into a doll. And then that doll becomes to be Chucky. Um, It goes on these murderous rampages, but in the remake, you have a disgruntled worker who turns off the safety protocols in an AI doll. Um, So, you know, the, the doll's not just like a cabbage patch kid. Um, with a talk box but it's a fully functional AI that connects in your house with the internet of things and this disgruntled worker turns off the chip and that doll becomes evil so to say um, and so you know taking into consider consideration um, some of like Slavoj Zizek's ideas where he says that you know first Hollywood is the ideological battleground um, that you can kind of parse out ideologies from Hollywood um, movies or big blockbuster movies, but especially looking at remakes. Um, in his book, Living in the End Times, he goes through the uh, all the iterations of the I Am Legend movies, um, the original book, the first movie, the Charlton Heston movie, and the Will Smith movie, and like kind of talks about the shifting ideologies there. So That brought back to mind these conspiracy videos for me because I noticed how we I was like, well, man, and we really you don't see very many demonic movies that much anymore um, besides maybe the Conjuring series. But, you know, we're really getting more and more into this uh, computers or artificial intelligence, not just as like, oh, it's run amok, it's bad, but kind of presented as evil or almost as like an antichrist type figure uh, to humanity.
0: Yeah, I'm. This is. We're so much on the same page uh, in the way we think, which maybe why we get along well. Um, but because I, I i when child's play came out the remake um i actually wrote a thing about it for sound the sirens magazine and I'll, I'll try and remember uh to put a link to that essay if anybody's interested in the show notes but um in that the same thing struck me um uh, incidentally just as an aside um i i like both movies um i do think there's something like special about brad Dourif, the 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 antagonist, he's the villain in so many great movies, and he plays the voice of Chucky and the, and the, uh, the killer who, you know, dies at the beginning. Um, he's, uh, uh, just a tremendous force on the screen. And incidentally, if you've never seen exorcist three, uh, that he's in, that's a super interesting movie. Um, and, uh, and, and he's part of the reason why. Um, but so is George C. Scott actually, but the, um, uh, but back to the topic at hand, you're right. The way in which, um, the remake, Lars Klevberg's remake, completely dispenses with metaphysical explanations for evil, right? Um, there's, in Child's Play, there is a soul, right? Uh, there is sort of like um, demonic versions of good and bad, right? And, uh, and that's completely um, gotten rid of in this 2019 remake. Where you have, um, a, like a completely materialist approach to, uh, to the world, right? And so you've got this, um, disgruntled worker, as you said, who's basically, um, uh, kind of a slave to capitalism and bef- and he's just got this horrible life under under that oppression. And before he ends up killing himself, I think he jumps out of a window if I, if I remember right. Um, he actually takes off some safety protocol from a particular doll before shipping it out and where it ends up in uh, in our poor protagonist's hands. And uh, and so it, it, it's reflecting a different kind of fear, right? And I think that's very interesting to think about. Um, and, you mentioned before the the idea of like Antichrist. And so this to me is is a really interesting um topic personally because I grew up in like evangelical land and when, and so I kind of grew up under uh, this kind of regime of reading current events and looking to books like Isaiah and Daniel and trying to figure out what this means for when the world's going to end, right? And those same people, of course, now get angry with me when I am interested in conspiracy theories and horror films. And, um, and that's, they don't understand that's their fault. But anyway, but the, um, uh, even then though, I can distinctly remember, um, thinking, that while everyone else was looking for political candidates uh, to put the mantle of Antichrist onto embodying that evil in a person, I like wondered and sometimes out loud whether what that's actually describing is something more like a, a systemic kind of um uncorporeal uh, evil, something that's not a human body, but more of a, of a mechanical system. Um, and not, I don't even know what I believe about the end times at this point in my life, but I'm just thinking about what i used to think so even then i was wondering about i wouldn't have called it ai but i was actually wondering about the antichrist as a kind of mechanical system and not a human system not a human being uh and so i think it's so interesting when you brought this to me that's one of the things that originally came to my mind so i'm very very grateful so um what are, like what are you like elaborate more on your thoughts on i guess the antichrist metaphor when thinking about AI Um, because you're right. You sent me uh, incidentally a couple of great links to some um, YouTube videos, like conspiratorial videos, which I also love. And since the, Fake news paranoia. By the way, it's harder to find this stuff on YouTube. They've buried, they've buried these things, and it's really hard to find. That's true. So when you send they me bury this, the good stuff, they really do. Um, and I'm teaching a class this semester on conspiracy theories, and it's very difficult to find the videos I'm looking for to to as illustrations because YouTube's so paranoid about them. But and incidentally, so you found a couple of really great ones, and I'll put the links to those up on the show notes as well. Um, and so why don't you let me know a little bit something about your thoughts here on the metaphor of antichrist for ai
1: sure um so i think it's important to note that you know we're not just talking about a defined smart computer like it's not um we're not talking about like data from star trek (laughs) the next generation um uh these the artificial intelligence is a Most likely going to be a global thing because it will be connected to all computers um, or most, you know, a large uh, percentage. But I think what happens is, you know, you have this thing that is thinking, possesses an intelligence that is probably greater than the capacity of any human, you know. And by doing this, it's going to almost have people flock to it. Um, and see it as this omniscient creature. You know, we're going to say if it's sentient, maybe it has a consciousness, it deserves rights. Um, And I think, you know, something greater than us, it's elevated in this sense. Um, So it's like, you know, this maybe global thing that can reorganize all of society for the better. Um, And we'll see people flocking to it and it kind of will like promise an age of prosperity maybe 2000 years or so. Um and I think through that like you know that's that's where that metaphor kind of comes in like it can be seen as a negative or a positive thing. Um but you have like let's say the movie I robot. The the big thing in there I think is um Vicki VIKI and she's the AI that basically comes to the conclusion that she has to help humanity like be this mother figure and protect us and Like, she knows what we want more than we do, you know, um, is kind of her idea. But I think the human idea there is that maybe we're scared of what we really want um, from that. So maybe that disconnects it a little bit from Antichrist, but I still think it rings in there. Like, it has that message. And also, you know, speaking of um, YouTube removing videos, maybe that's why. I tried to find another video that I saw a few years ago. It was an older one but um, made the claim that uh, when they rebuild the temple um, that will bring about the end times, it will actually be the giant um, uh, uh, hard drive that's holding the AI supercomputer there. So it's like, it's going to be in Jerusalem. Um, And that, you know, has, of course, some rings there as well. Um, Or even this doesn't... uh, pertain just the christianity as well i found some um in time muslim sect uh videos that have this where you know they would call it the dajjal um where the Dajjal is this demonic entity that presents itself through the computer through the viral um so it's like in their in those senses i remember it being almost like uh not that ai was replacing the demonic but um that Satan or was like literally acting through the internet, that the internet was a force of evil. Um, which is an interesting thing. Like, uh, and that one had some similarities too, where the, um, uh, I can't think of the name of it. I'm blanking the, the big box. Um, the, the, it's like a Muslim, uh, Holy, Holy site. Um,
0: Oh, uh, is it? Is it? Oh gosh, that's not Mecca, is it? Uh, uh it's in. Uh, I know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, um, that. Yeah, and then like kind of linking the way that looks to the way um, the the big uh, computer systems that house these, like Google Deep Mind, look um, as like the false prophet of sorts. Um, so it kind of like you know they there there's all these mirrors out there that look very, very similar to that way, and um, if we're looking at Computer systems as being able to answer our prayers um, in a sense that they present themselves in this very striking way that is kind of fearful in a lot of senses, especially in popular media. Um,
0: yeah, that's very interesting. And the way you describe that that box, and I apologize for showing my ignorance. I can't I can't produce the name right off the top of my head here. Um, that reminds me very much of the obelisk in 2001, right? And, and I think uh, Stanley Kubrick is, is sort of inter- well, and Arthur C. Clark are sort of introducing this idea of, if not artificial, then some sort of external, um, artificial to us intelligence that kind of shapes, not only, I mean, this is where I think it do- it does relate to antichrist because it, shapes our desires right it 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 makes us conform our desires to the will of this machine in this case right and so i think that that metaphor really does kind of hold um hold True, and I was unaware that there's sort of an apocalyptic version of Islam. Uh, that that's that's very interesting. I'd love to kind of look into that. That's um, I'm glad you alerted me to the existence of such a thing. I would love to see how it compares to the kind of Christian, you know, apocalypticism, apocalypticism that I kind of grew up in. Um, and incidentally, there is a real tradition. I don't want to call it a tradition but there's a strain of conspiracy theories that are very kind of fundamentalist Christian kind of end timesy uh, uh, like Christianity so the third eagle of the apocalypse is, is one of them of course he's a famous <laughs> uh, famously silly person right um, but there's a I also love to watch these things um, and I always have I fall asleep at night trying to find these videos to uh, to watch on my phone as I as I kind of drift off and which is probably not healthy now I think about it but <laughs> but but yeah there's a guy named Jim Nichols N-I-C-H-O-L-S who makes these um, tremendous like video essays i'll call them he like writes these essays and narrates them and finds kind of random images that he clearly steals off the internet for (laughs) i don't know how he gets around copyright but you can even find these on amazon prime a lot of these are up now Um, and many of them really conflate as you're talking about these kind of hardcore conspiracy ideas about aliens and find a way to make it work with um, demons um, and um, and aliens and AI and finding a way to make that those materialist fears um, coordinate very neatly with metaphysical like, conservative Christian ideas about demons and, uh, and interdimensional beings and that kind of thing. Um, and so if you're interested in, in what that kind of looks like in practice, I highly recommend Googling, um, Jim Nichols, UFO art is what he calls it. And, uh, and he has some really amazing, um, arguments and theories about the world there. So, um, yeah, that's great. And so I, one thing I think that'll help us sort of flesh this out, um, this idea of like evil AI is that Fine. I mean, you've already mentioned a couple things about iRobot. We've talked about the new Child's Play movie. But I think you're right. I think popular culture is a place in which it kind of gives shape to a lot of these kinds of ambiguous fears about what this is doing to us. And so what are some, uh, like, movies that you can think of? I have a couple that – I mean, of course, The Matrix is one. That's, like, sort of a a primary example of an AI that is, like – Legitimately framed as kind of a, a satanic figure, so the the agents in that are very much um, uh, like of a satanic cloth, right? There's so many like religious references in the Matrix, Matrix that are very kind of Gnostic Christianity, um, and I taught that cl- that movie once in class, and one thing that I kind of argued about it was that if you want to see this as a Christian metaphor, you're sort of missing something about it, right? Because yes, Neo is entering um, the world, right? But it's really the agents, um, Hugo Weaving's agent, particularly, who is like the creator who is entering, who's embodying himself in the world, right? So it's almost like a satanic version of God. Um, And so to me, like that is Um, more antichrist than christ is the the the, the nature of the matrix that's sort of an an argument that i've made about that movie to my students anyway um and so that's one like primary example right and we probably don't need to rehash that for people but there are many others that i think are pretty interesting and i think you have some ideas of stuff we should look at so why don't don't we begin this conversation about places in which we can think about um ai as antichrist as apocalyptic sort of antichrist
1: Sure. So, um, we have, I watched last night, um, just to get myself in the mood for this conversation, the Netflix movie Am mother. Um, and I found it extremely, uh, interesting. So you basically open up in this under laboratory of sorts. And it says like "Days since extinction, zero humans on earth, zero. Um, and then it's goes, they since extinction one humans on earth one and you see this robot be assembled and then go to a place where there's i don't know hundreds maybe thousands uh maybe hundreds of thousands of embryos and she i'll call her she the robot creates this embryo and raises a human and then you kind of skip forward like throughout childhood of that human the human is basically a um, teenager where the main story begins and has been raised by this android uh, robot called mother Um, so mother and daughter are their only names given so it has this kind of like genesis feel to it Mm. Um, and she tells her that all of humanity was wiped out by a virus um, and you know Eventually in the film, though, you get this um, another woman, an adult woman is banging on the outside and daughter lets her in um help her and she's frightened of uh, mother, like completely. And you find out that there was no virus outside, that it's been a war on droids, machines have taken over and are eliminating humans yet inside this bunker you know mother is here nurturing and like by all accounts she's been a great mother to this young woman she's incredibly intelligent she's well-rounded she seems almost caring at points um, as much as a robot can be <laughs> and then so the the story progresses and big spoilers here but you find out basically that mother is just one face of the global ai system that has taken over and has deemed humans uh too destructive that they need to start over so she the same mother that has been nurturing this young child is also the one that has destroyed all of humanity and is now terraforming the earth and she's been um and but then once it's ready she will raise all of humanity once again in the image of good humans. Um, She's taught this young girl to be uh, more intelligent, kinder, more compassionate, concerned for others, not just herself. Um, And then at the very end, you even find out that mother also made the adult woman before she made a daughter um, as the last ethical test because the daughter escapes and then finds out that there's not scattered humans out on Earth um, just waiting, you know, trying to survive. But that really the adult woman is alone and she goes back to be, be with the the her brothers and sisters, her unborn brothers and sisters, says, no, I have to take care of them. And that was the last ethical test. So mother leaves, even though she's still in control of the whole world, she leaves and lets daughter kind of be the new face like she re rebirths humanity in this image of uh how she thinks they should be which you know there is also the argument there that she has produced a better human um a human outside of these uh the natural desires um and fears uh constraints of resource depletion of competing factions and ideologies um but it's a very cold sterile uh, universe and worldview that she's raised in, you know, at one point you even see this lesson that mother's teaching her where she implies that if you were a doctor and you have four patients who are all going to die, unless they get a, um, unless they get a different organ transplant, and then you have a patient that comes in that's sick and on the verge of dying, you can cure them. um, or you can let them die. And then use their organs to save the other four, and you know your ethical. The answer is that you should let that patient die, and you know then um, harvest their organs to save the other four. So like that's the image she's raising this child in. So there's this very strong collectivist message as well, um, which I think you see in a lot of the fears of AI movies. Um, so you see that in the iRobot, too. It's like this collectivist message or um, what on the Internet is called a uh, chino Futurism, which is this like strange Orientalist um, conspiracy theory about, about how China um, will take over the world in this like futuristic um, AI cybernetic collective type. Um, so I think that also goes hand in hand with a lot of these messages is it's um there's also this fear of collectivity um, versus individualism, like the loss of humanity to the whole. And the whole isn't even a greater human picture, but this uh, imposed cybernetic robotic picture.
0: Yeah. Like the Borg, uh, in, in the Star Trek universe, right? That is sort <laughs> yes. of the fear of, of being assimilated kind of into, uh, be having your individuality taken away, being de-individuated. Right. And so, um, yeah, that's definitely, I have to check this movie out then. I haven't seen this, but that, that sounds very fascinating. Um, I, I cut one that, uh, and it kind of reminds me on some level of, it's a really not good movie in terms of just the quality of filmmaking. I, I don't know. know. No, i mean i'm not someone who i I don't really like to give negative reviews about movies i would just rather let bad movies be bad movies right but um i acknowledge this is not a a well-made movie in terms of the technical aspects of making movies but uh, a few years ago a movie called transcendence uh came out with johnny depp um were you aware of this one um, it's I
1: I remember that one. I don't think I saw it.
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting idea. And there are memorable aspects of the movie. It is told in a very sloppy way. And, and it's not a well-made movie, right? But it is an interesting intellectual question that it raises. Basically, you've got this sort of genius-type person who's working on, um like, sort of AI. And there's a kind of terrorist group that fears what will become uh, of the world that is run by AI, right? And so they assassinate him. They shoot him with like a bullet that poisons his body. So he will die in 30 days or something like this. And that makes no sense to me why you wouldn't, why you would give him a time frame, right? So that's one of the, the plot holes of this movie, right? But in that before he dies, <laughs> he's able to sort of like um, upload his consciousness to a computer um, it ends up getting connected to the internet and and his consciousness um, is able to become this sort of AI that does like remake the world in in his own kind of like perfect perfectionist um, image. Right. And uh, and it does so by kind of dehumanizing people. It, it, he creates some sort of like microbots or something that um, just scatters the world with and like. People who have disabilities are healed, but at the same time they are now connected to like the singular mindset, right? And so they're on some level improved, but they're diminished in the fact that they've lost individuality, right? They become kind of um, external tools for the AI, um, and so it, it's a it's it's a fascinating like question. Like I said, it's a badly made movie, but a fascinating question that it raises about um, the what's lost in improvement, right? And I have to say going back to the Christian fear of antichrist and the way that I've always in the way that it's kind of popularly envisioned in books like the left behind series and that kind of thing, right? is that the antichrist comes with the promises of peace and every and he's able to achieve like an improved political world and therefore everyone just says, "Oh, um look how wonderful this person is and we therefore give up ourselves to him. Um, and, um, and even in Christianity, now that I'm thinking about it, even in, I want to say Christianity, even in that form of, uh, of, uh, you know, whatever, um, apocalyptic Christianity, the, there's a very strong thought that the mark of the beast is a a chip implant, right? And so, uh, there's a a way in which they've always kind of can almost from the beginning, since we've developed computer technology, conceived of that that kind of mark of the beast as being um, cybernetic uh, on some level, right? And so there is a way in which those kinds of fears um, do play um there's a shared set of fears there between christians who believe in that kind of uh, end times prophecy stuff and conspiracy theorists who um who fear um, the rise of ai so um any uh do you have any other movies that you want to talk about i have a couple i could talk about actually (laughs) so
1: um i don't well, well I have some books too um so did you read a uh, bash bash revolution by Douglas Lane
0: I, I have not I should actually no sorry Doug
1: um <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> um you know in that it's uh, the story about this AI system that kind of takes everything over and reshapes the world that and it's semi-dystopic um although he claims he wasn't trying to write dystopia um but his main character really hates everything that's going on um but it's kind of like the world's reshaped and to everyone's playing these uh augmented reality video games all the time and it's an ai named bucky who has a secret mission to actually divert um uh, uh, nuclear war because Trump's president and he's gonna cause nuclear war. Um, so the AI is really converting everyone to playing these video games so he can convert the president and basically distract people from their destructive tendencies by uh, submersing them in nostalgia <laughs> interesting and yeah, and the main character um who's a young like a teenage boy, I don't know he's like seventeen or so uh, has a girlfriend who is in a Christian in time called called Jesus is the light. Um, And they believe that the apocalypse is coming or is like knocking on the doorstep. Um, But his girlfriend becomes convinced that somehow the, the AI that uh, the main character's dad has been working on for the CIA um, is somehow connected to this apocalypse. And is almost like a, 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 messenger of god or something like that um so it's but then it it doesn't turn out the way that she wants and she becomes disappointed and disillusioned and actually loses her faith in the process um and not in like a, you know it's not like a triumphant atheist tale of a christian losing faith it's a very like it's a defeated tale you know she believed in something and then she doesn't but she's still stuck with the whole world is still stuck with this ai um forcing them to do everything um play video games forever um and then you also have stuff like uh, harlan ellison's um short story i have no mouth but i must scream are you oh. familiar with that one
0: i know ellison but i don't know that story
1: oh it is chilling um one of one of the most disturbing things i've ever read personally um and it's uh ai thing in the future that's basically keeping a few humans alive and has has gained such power that it can um manipulate matter, you know, as well and is torturing the last couple humans alive um and keeping them alive though just to torture them um for bringing it into existence basically.
0: Um Interesting. And
1: you know, so I think there's yeah, some some elements there as well as like you know, what if we bring this AI into existence and it resents us for it? <laughs> like, you know, what, why does it want, does it want to, there's like that question too, which I thought was, you know, not something you actually see brought up all that often. Yeah. Um, but what were the ones you were con- you were thinking
0: of? Well, I mean on a I mean I'm not going to dwell on them but I mean even very popular movies like the Marvel universe has dealt with this explicitly with the second Avengers movie oh, yeah. right Age of Ultron. So Ultron is this um artificial intelligence that is uh, kind of bestowed the power of one of the Infinity Stones and and therefore attains self-awareness and immediately goes about eliminating humans from the Earth as a way of purifying the Earth, right? Um, and so that that's a very kind of popular version of this. And even now I'm thinking about it, Captain Marvel, the planet that she's from. I forget their names now, um, but their society is organized around the Supreme Intelligence, which is basically an AI. That, um, they've, uh, that makes all of their political and moral decisions for them, right? And so their uh, kind of aggressive uh, colonizing um, society is, is based on uh, an AI, right, that, that has kind of got negative intentions for the universe. Um, and so, yeah, even in those, there, there's popularity. One that I really recommend people watch is Ex Machina. Um, with, um, with Isaac, uh, what's his name? Uh, the dude from star Wars <laughs> shoot. I'm blanking on names today. Um, but, uh, and it's a very, it's, I appreciate movies like this. It's a throwback, um, sci-fi film in which it's not, it's, it's slow and philosophical, right? And, and I appreciate movies like that increasingly as I get older, maybe. Um, I actually just released an episode um, with Derek Varn about um, Solaris, right? And so it's very much in that tradition where Ooh. you have um, in, in a sci-fi world you're having people have conversations in a hallway uh, right and, and I think that that's kind of um, what this movie's tone is like and I think it's just a fascinating um, study of the ethical ramifications of of creating an ai right that ultimately has that is ultimately more powerful than you are and so um in this case you've got this kind of mark zuckerberg type um of tech uh uh, entrepreneur who ends up secretly creating this ai in the body of of a beautiful woman and has one of his employees engage with this uh ai to see if it passes that, uh, that test to see if it's, uh, if it's self-aware or not. Right. Um, and, and as it turns out, and then, you know, the plot develops from there, I won't spoil it. Um, but it's a, a fascinating, um, explanation or ex- exploration of the kind of, um, ethical question that that book raises, that Ellison story raises for you. I think, um, what happens when you, and, in, in imbue something with consciousness? What kind of uh, responsibility do you have towards that thing at that point? Um, and so that's really fascinating. Um, and so let's kind of move on though. I mean, cause pop culture is full of these these stories, right? And so one like really interesting question that you raised for me in our correspondence about this was the role of like internet culture uh, in, in AI. And I think that's really fascinating. Those two videos that you sent me very much have religious tones to them. There's the one called like the seven days of AI or something like that, right? Um, and and there, the link will be on the mm-hmm. on the show notes for this. If you go to sectarianreviewpodcast.com, you can find that. And uh, that one was fascinating because it, it essentially posited a new creation upon the dawning of um, AI's uh, becoming self-aware, right? And it sort of ends with this kind of bleak, erasure of humanity, uh, on the seventh day. So in seven days, there's all these massive upheavals and it's weirdly plausible. Actually, it's, it's very, very interesting. Um, and so one thing that I don't know, struck me when I was thinking about the role of internet culture in this, and I guess it's the same thing with conspiracy theories. I don't know that you can disentangle the form and the content. Okay. And so it's, The internet is not just a distributor for fears about AI, right? It actually represents a form of AI, right? We actually, as we engage with one another on the internet, we are actually submitting ourselves to the algorithms of some level um, uh, and the manipulations of of the system itself and so one of the videos that you sent me has Elon Musk talking about something like this on the Joe Rogan show and, um, and I think it's, it's, it's a fascinating aspect of the internet itself and so I guess what are your thoughts on how internet culture intersects with um, this apocalyptic kind of religiosity filled version of, of AI fears?
1: Yeah, so, well, first I'll say um, I have several friends that would look at that first video as not frightening at all, but very promising. <laughs> you know, and I, I'm new a little bit, though. I, I find it a bleak ending where uh, all of humanity is uploaded into the singularity, and they just live this digital life. That's not what I want by any means. Um But I think, you know, that culture connection really for me probably highlights why it is a scary thing personally. Um, Cause if we look at the internet um, and if we say, well, this is what we're feeding uh, the AI. This is what it's given us so far. We're, we're not left with a good picture. Um, you know, we look at the viciousness of YouTube comments. We look at our own personal echo chambers that we're caught in. Um, Internet hate groups um, where look at, of course, like even darker sides of the Internet um, with like the dark web um, distribution of illegal items and human trafficking. And we see like, well, if this is what we're feeding this hyper intelligent thing, you know, because for me, the to look at it blankly, um, a hyper intelligent AI isn't a scary thing, but to think further on it to think that what it's going to be connected to is all of this, all of our Facebook profiles, all of, um, our, you know, Instagram, all of Google's, uh, search results. Um, you know, you start to kind of fear, uh, you know, what, what it would come up with. Um, so in, in that video, I think Elon Musk actually says, uh, that he, he thinks that, um, the AI of Google that we're, of, that we're feeding is like our id. Um, like it's like this collective id.
0: Yeah. it's uh, an interesting point. And
1: that kind of, yes. Uh, because you know, it kind of makes me think of, um, uh, to bring Zizek back up. So in Zizek's book, uh, like a thief in broad daylight, he, he tells this joke that he tells all the time and it goes something like, so a guy goes to a, a cafe and says, Uh, orders, I would like a cup of coffee with no cream. A minute later, the waiter comes back and says, I'm sorry, sir, we are completely out of cream. Can I give you a cup of coffee without milk?
0: Um, Uh. You
1: know, but for him, Zizek, he says, importance there for the the person getting that coffee, whether or not it lacks cream or lacks milk. Uh, That symbolic element is incredibly important. You know, and for he's he, he uh, says that he doesn't think an artificial intelligence will be able to tell the difference between coffee without milk and coffee without cream. So, like, will an AI, if we create it, have an unconscious? And if it does not have an unconscious, what will that mean? Um, you know, that. If, in, like, that uh, psychoanalytic, mm. you know, like, humanity itself is kind of centered on this unconscious element. So it will be this, like, monster. Um, and, yeah, that, that is pretty frightening if we look at the Internet that way. as uh, not a projection of unconscious uh, desires and fears, but, like, the very lacking of the unconscious.
0: Gosh, that is something I have never thought of. And, and it is such a fascinating question. We are... Yeah, thinking that we're creating AI in our image, basically, right? But I mean, one of the you know key concepts of psychology, as you say, is that we have an unconscious, and even this is consistent with Christian thought. Like we have original mm-hmm. sin or something, right? Something that is um, we're unaware of that partially drives our motivations for doing everything we do, right? is it possible to create an artificial intelligence that has a subconscious that has something um, that it's unaware of about itself? Right. And so if something is utterly self-aware, can it have a subconscious? And if it doesn't, can it actually even be close to replicating like a human consciousness? Like this is, I've never considered this question. Um, That is so fascinating to me. Um, And, and yeah, and I think that's honestly part of and so, without, I don't know, if the internet has no subconscious, like, and so let's just look at something discrete like Twitter, okay? Twitter is sort of a place. I don't know if you're on Twitter or not. Are you on Twitter? Um,
1: I'm actually not. It's one of those social media things I decided that I should not engage in, yeah. given my ability, my. I tendency to have hot takes and to uh, sound off. I'm like, you know, I should not do
0: this. Well, I would never blame anybody for not being on Twitter. That's for sure. I, I've, I've found a way to curate my feed and I, I am, I, I'm entertained by it at this point. But, um, but yeah, it is not a place that I recommend anybody go. Um, and so, but if you look at a space like that, which is famously toxic, right? And famously kind of ugly. Um, it is a, a space in which, that is completely unaware. Uh, But I guess what I'm saying is, is it unaware or is there no there under there basically in this case? Is there no subconscious? Is Twitter exactly what it is on the surface? Um, And and, and it's unaware of its motivations because there is no underneath what it is on the surface, I guess is what I'm saying. And and if um, we give off all of our Um, I guess, man, if anybody like smarter than me is listening to the show, which everybody who's listening to the show is smarter than me, um, but uh, if you have anything to add to this, I would be happy to hear um, because I'm just fascinated with this question now. I'm totally going to find a way to jam hole this into my class at some point next week. Um, so, um, but Excellent. is there sort of like, you know what I'm, do you know what I'm, I'm hinting at? I'm talking around cause I'm thinking of while I'm talking here, like it, there is nothing underneath the ugly surface of Twitter. Um, there is no sort of redempting to be redeemed about it. And so if that is what an AI actually looks like that we create, then that is a really good warning sign against creating an AI, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's, to me, that's the biggest um, reason not to. That's, uh, that's yeah, it, it is. It's frightening. <laughs> yeah, dang. And I, yeah, it, it ties into all of that. It ties into all of um, internet culture when you think of it in, in that regard. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, we. Um, I've had um, Micah Redding on this yeah. show, who's a uh, head of the Christian Transhumanist Association, um, and it was a podcast. And he's been on the show several times. Um, I would love to run this kind of question because he always has answers for this kind of thing because he's very pro technology, right? <laughs> and so of I would love to hear his his kind of um, take on this, but. That man philosophical take, I, I guess I start need to start reading Zizek um, in order to kind of um, pursue these, um, these threads, because that's, uh, that's very uh, much a blind spot for me at this point. But yeah,
1: some books are really good and some are not. So it's, you know, <laughs> um, I've just read a lot of them. He's what got me into uh, considering contemporary philosophy at all. But, you know, I do want to say I don't want to sound like like a um, like a Luddite or anything. I'm not I, I'm not scared of technology in many ways, I think. Um, so if we want to go back to child's play, uh, an important thing is that the main character, Andy, is deaf um, or, you know, partially deaf. And so he needs a hearing aid in order to hear. Yeah. Um, and I think like that's a subtle way of saying, hey, I'm not saying all technology is bad i'm not even saying like you know integrated technology is bad um there is needs for it and there are it is a tool um by all means
0: yeah uh but absolutely right and that, that is a really great observation that you made about that movie is that it does kind of bend over backwards on some level to kind of qualify its uh, its critique of technology right it, it isn't it isn't Anti-tech. I will say though, I I am very resistant to kind of strains of liberal, many strains of liberalism, but um, particularly those that are like technocratic, right? And so, like a lot when you when I hear a, I some I'm some v, v, like marginally involved with local politics here where I live in PA, and sometimes I'll, I'll interact with a candidate who. Basically, their solution to poverty in rural Pennsylvania is broadband internet access. And to me, that is like... I just, like, that is so ridiculous, right? And so I do think there is a way in which there is sort of a liberal mindset that thinks too much of technology's possibilities. And then you end up with giving over to Silicon Valley the power that we've given them. And then a movie like Ex Machina, I think, causes us to call that kind of power into question, right? And so, like, I'm very, I I am not also, I also am not a... Uh, an anti-technology person, but I am, I think healthfully um, suspicious of its possibilities for liberation. Right. And I don't think giving somebody in, in a rural ghetto, Broadband internet access is going to change their life right i I just think that that's a ridiculous claim and so um and I'm sure there are people out there who disagree with me, but um it's like we know that already that giving kids iPads in school isn't making them smarter right um that that experiment has failed <laughs> right and so um anyway so let uh let's kind of wrap like push towards the end here um and kind of become a little bit explicitly theological uh now for one thing, I think that this conversation is another place in which um, sort of post-Christian thought adopts Christian form. Um, and so like liberalism does this, I make this point with Varn all the time. Um, like, so liberal morality basically mirrors Christian uh, morality, right? And and Nietzsche, you know, establishes this. I'm, I'm not the person who thought of this, of course. Um, and so there's a way in which materialist, um, critiques of technology mirror, um, religious critiques of evil. Right. And so like where we began this idea of child's play, it looks very apocalyptic. It looks like the book of revelation. Right. And I think there's a way in which that happens, but I want to kind of focus on the, like the religions itself. What do you think a major religion? Let's just kind of, for the sake of clarity and ease focus on Christianity. What do you think a major religion like Christianity would do if a worldwide AI emerges? Like um, that essentially replaces its moral authority and and hope of salvation, right? What is there a possibility for Christianity in a world with worldwide AI?
1: Yeah, that's... um. A difficult question for me to answer. I find it really hard to contemplate. Um, and that's because it would have to take some kind of stance. Um, you know, I think we, we've we been examining the fearful stance towards it, and there's plenty of reason to. Um, but then there's also, could they embrace it? Like, could, and um, beyond just like, maybe I'm sure there would be like, small sex um or cults or whatever that would maybe embrace that but i i have kind of trouble seeing um a mainstream christianity fully embracing something like a global ai system um especially calling it um conscious or sentient um maybe you know maybe there's a qualifier there maybe it's like well it's intelligent it deserves rights but there is no soul um you know i that's that's uh that that's one of the reasons i i brought these questions to you because as thinking about all this i wondered I, i wondered that i thought well is this even a fear in like is this a thought in any mainstream religion like um you know is this something that people are concerned or talking about um Maybe not, you know, high up in churches, but are, are congregations concerned about this? Like, you, like your congregation would blink an eye at Google DeepMind unveiling a global AI system?
0: Um, yeah, I, I, I. this is obviously, I mean, n- honestly, never come up uh, <laughs> in any kind of uh, religious context that I've, I've been a part of. But and I guess where I'm standing on this is back where I began as a kid thinking about it. To me, I mean, maybe this is because I'm a humanist, right? And, and I mean, I, I teach in the humanities and, and I consider myself a Christian humanist, right? And so, uh, and so I have a, a clear bias here. But I, to me, this is exactly my fear of antichrist being a mechanical system, right? Because mm-hmm. um, what it, I mean, to me, it literally does. If, if there is a, a, a digital system that is capable of solving the problems of our material world, which is one thing that Christianity strives to do um, into, you know, serving the poor and feeding the the hungry and housing the homeless, right? If there's a, a digital system that can solve those problems, then there's no need for a Christianity anymore. Um, and if there's a digital system that can give us um paradise afterlife <laughs> in which, um, we can just upload our consciousness, uh, to, there is no need for the hope of, uh, of, uh, a hope of overcoming death, which is kind of, to me, ultimately what Christianity is about is the hope of defeating death. Right. And so, um, and I think that, I I don't see how those two worlds are compatible. Like, uh, I mean, I'm sure there are theological thinkers who have very good reasons um, to make those compatible. And I know Micah Redding is one of those um, and he makes compelling arguments. But when I think about them, when I sit down, I don't know how there is any room for Christianity, let alone a market for it. I'm not even talking about like marketing of it. Like who's going to go into the area of self-sacrifice that Christianity demands when all you have to do is upload your conscience, right? <laughs> right. And so your consciousness. And right. so, um, yeah, I, so there's the marketing of Christianity, but there's also sort of the, the, uh, the philosophical grounding of Christianity too. I just don't see how the two things are compatible. Like, and, and so to me, I'm back to where I began. I think it's a nightmare for Christianity.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it, it very well could be. And maybe that's why it is um, some of these like the metaphors of antichrist and popular media even arise because as possibility of AI actually existing, like that's the outlet for it, um, you know, that we're able to explore. Um, interested though, so in the seven days of AI I sent you, at one point, I think it's like the third or fourth day, basically it hints at there's a bunch of people that call for the AI to be used to basically reduce communism. Yeah, um, uh, Some kind of heaven on earth type scenario, um, which is rejected. You know, they people don't go for it. Do you think that there is some kind of like tarrying there that like we could, you know – Produce these systems because if we think like some kind of vast cybernetic network could really solve a lot of um, distribution, manufacturing, uh, efficiency, all of this, it could erode borders, it could erode these um, all these divisions we drive between each other um, and allow people to focus on something other than profit production um, and maybe build communities, uh, with one another and kind of get in touch with more spiritual aspects of their life and explore that. Um, I don't know if that would just create some kind of different religion, um, or if existing religions, Christianity or any of the other Abrahamic or, um, Eastern faiths could adopt to that. Um, I think maybe especially like, uh, Eastern faiths, would fare well in that scenario but do you think it's like like an all or nothing because that's what a lot of popular media seems to uh seems to betray is that you know once it it's there it's there in this way that is destroying and i guess i just always am even though i'm fascinated and i do understand a lot of that and believe that i i'm wondering well is there another way is there a way that you know we use these things for our benefit instead of them destroying us? Or are they just too smart?
0: Well, no, I think from a Christian perspective and from my Christian perspective, I would say that um, ultimately for all the Christian support for capitalism, um, a second coming of Christ would destroy capitalism, right? I mean, that. I mean it would right. completely obliterate. There is no room for those two things existing together, right? Um, and so I think that the AIs that we create currently are designed to support capitalist profit, right? And so yeah. an and AI would have to sort of have a different end goal in order to not just perpetuate the current system, right? If there were an AI, now maybe if an AI becomes self-conscious. And and so, yeah, we we have AI now that assists with logistics, right? And and that kind of thing and efficiencies, right? But those aren't self-conscious AIs. If we have a self-conscious AI that is able to look at itself and say, well, the problem is this end goal is unsustainable. I will eliminate the end goal and just distribute evenly for utopian luxury communism. Right. And so that's kind of what, what they're getting to in, in the, uh, in the video. And so that's a different kind of, I mean, it's so, I guess it's the, it's the self-consciousness of the AI that is, uh, that is possible. And if it, and, and I guess if it becomes self-aware, then it takes on this messianic role of utter, just utter destruction for the purpose of creation of something new, right? And and that is terrifying because we are what our bodies are what's being destroyed in that process, right? Even though. And so yeah. yeah. And so that's why it's the stuff of nightmare. So
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you bring it back there. Um and I do agree. <laughs> I don't want my body destroyed in that. I'm not a not a fan of uploading into the into the cloud
0: yeah um, no i'm doing a fitness know, I- challenge right now i'm trying to save my body <laughs>
1: so. um, yeah although you know you could also make the argument uh that it could help with life extension techniques that don't involve turning yourself into a cyborg um or there's even i think soon we're gonna face um maybe we couldn't get into this fully here but i think soon we'll face similar questions with the uh, crispr cas9 um, and human modification through gene therapy um,
0: i yes i have actually been how, yeah i'm sorry go ahead i've yeah, actually i wonder
1: how um that's going to be perceived i wonder how you know i the the paranoid part of my brain from consuming conspiracy videos for so long makes me think that like that will be the next war um Um, between who has access to that and if it will happen at all. Um, Because I think there's, you could make a lot of the same arguments for that too. Like if we're able to fully reinvent our bodies and our future um, generations bodies through CRISPR-Cas9 and really do some different stuff to the human body. um, Yeah, I don't know. I wonder what the religious implications there are it's almost like humans becoming some kind of Promethean figure.
0: Yeah. With regard to CRISPR, um, I've actually been thinking a great deal great deal about the movie Gattaca lately for some reason. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Um, it, it, it basically deals with a world in which this kind of technology is possible. Um, have you seen that movie?
1: I've seen that movie actually um uh, we watched that a lot in my um middle school and then into um high school like every science class at least one day out of the year would play escatica
0: for some reason well that's interesting that's good to know actually but um but it, it's very much about that right and sort of the ethics um and, and kind of the what it I sort of the class, uh, issues also that go along with who's able to afford this sort of technology. Right. And so, um, until we deal with the, the idea of like class distinction, I don't know that that's a a healthy way to take society down because you end up in, in kind of Darwinian, um, forms of, uh, of, uh, of survival of the fittest then. Um, and I, I, that makes me nervous, but, um, and so I was also thinking though about, AI, the morality of AI in terms of, of death. Right. And so if AI's prime directive, if the AI's prime directive is to um, preserve human life, right. And then it could continually invent um, technologies to extend our physical bodies. I mean, theoretically forever, right. If it could find a way to replace cells. Right. And so, um, and so, there's a, if that's the, if that's the end goal, then I think we end up losing what makes us essentially human in that having a, a an expiration date is what makes us essentially human. And this is why I think Blade Runner, this is one of the things I think Blade Runner is trying to, to get at. Like um, the fact that Roy dies, that's the moment he becomes human because he has that expiration date. Right. And so, um, and so I think that, If an AI accounts for the fact that death is a natural part of the human life, then I think we're on to a much kinder, gentler world, actually, um, um, until the point at which it starts deciding when people die. Right. And then you end up in Logan's run. <laughs> and then it's another sort of dystopia. Right. <laughs> and so I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know that I have like a, a very strong opinion um, one way or the other on that, because I think there's a nightmare scenario down both ends of that path.
1: Nightmares on both sides of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> that's true. That's yeah, that's true. Um, although you know, the only thing about if, so if we um, if CRISPR Cas9 were realized in its bliss, the way that people talk about it, it wouldn't. It would be a little bit more than Gattaca as well, um, because you know uh, that main character theoretically would have access. It wouldn't matter if he was uh, born augmented. Um, the, the theorists behind Cas, CRISPR, Cas9 say that it can mutate even living entities. Oh, um, interesting. If it developed, I mean, they don't they don't think they can do that now. But they think theoretically, um, when I'm 80, I can change my eye color or something like that. Yeah, um, on a simple level. And that's, that's, uh, yeah, that is a, a different world. It's a di- different questions, but very similar to, um, like cyborg questions.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, if anybody's interested in this um, the Book of Nature podcast, I think I was actually on that episode um, they actually did a, an episode dedicated to CRISPR um, a couple of years ago, if you go back into their catalog and uh, and you can find that and they have a, a whole bunch, they're scientists so they have a whole bunch of <laughs> stuff to say about that that I didn't have, so um, that w- that was a fascinating conversation So, um, Well Adam, um, we're uh, just over an hour here, I'd like to um, give you a chance to summarize anything you want to say um, uh, and then Uh, we can sign off any final thoughts
1: yeah you know you this conversation was very helpful for me you helped me answer a lot of those questions um, or at least think about them in slightly new ways that yeah why is the AI perceived as Antichrist because it could be a possible very real possible nightmare and you know it puts into question our humanity Um, so I think that is something to think about. Um, but also, its inevitability kind of leers over us. Um, so maybe we should be also wondering, is there a way for humanity to exist within uh, with the post-invention of a superintelligence, like a self-conscious AI? Um, that's what I'm going to be thinking about, I think, over the next few weeks, is like, if that has been can can and you will be human.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, likewise, I feel like I learned so much and you've given me so much to, to read up on too. I really appreciated this conversation. That was great. Um, and I want to give you a chance to kind of promote what you do. Is there a, a, a something you're working on right now and a place that people can go uh, look you up and find out what what you're doing.
1: I am very active on Instagram, which is the at, art.o.dirt, D-I-R-T. I Um, I post at least four times a week, sometimes daily. Um, And I got a YouTube channel under the name Dirt, Son of Earth. Um, And I've also been live streaming with uh, author and curator Mike Watson and author and artist Terry Tapp on a YouTube channel. Um, Well, actually, we do it on Twitch, on twitch.t slash left. Can meme, um, and then we upload them later onto a YouTube channel called Theory Wave Nights. And we have conversations about art and politics, art and power, that interplay there. Um, we're talking later today actually about Abros and uh, um, and uh, Berger, um, and you know the difference in landscape painting and their approaches. Um, and we we also do like art critiques between our own. And art, and then usually end on a music set where I make um, some like psychedelic esque music uh, with lots of phil- philosophy quotes thrown in and some digital visualizations provided by Mike Watson. It's, it's, it's a great time.
0: That's interesting. I'll have to check that out myself. Um, and let me just kind of clarify one thing. So, Theory Wave Nights is the YouTube channel. Is that Nights as in? not day or nights as in the round table
1: as in not
0: day. Okay. Okay. There we go. Very good. Um, very cool. Well, Adam Adkins, thank you so much for, uh, this awesome conversation. I had a great time. We opened up a bazillion, uh, cans of worms. I know for everybody who's listening, if you have any questions, uh, or comments or feedback, uh, do let me know. I'm more than happy to, uh, to respond. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter and, uh, you guys are all internet savvy. So you know how to, you know how to find the show. So, um, uh, for Adam Ray Adkins, my name is Danny Anderson. thank you, for listening to another episode of the sectarian review podcast